0: Welcome back to BrailleCast, connecting the dots for Braillists everywhere, and coming up this time, how a blind musician and computer programmer came to develop the first Braille music translation package. The blind community is not without its fair share of innovators. Louis Braille himself, of course, amongst many others who brought us the Braille code we know and love today. Elsewhere, the blind community has invented talking book players, screen readers, note-takers, and so much more. For many musicians, many of the most notable technological innovations in the past 30 years or so have come from Dancing Dots, makers of the Goodfield Braille Music Translator, Cake Talking Scripts for the Sonar Digital Audio Workstation, and Sibelius Speaking. In this episode of BrailleCast, we catch up with its founder, Bill McCann. We talk about how he came to found Dancing Dots and what his products do before discussing the advantages of his favorite Braille displays, the Q Braille XL and Canute 360, and the mechanics of reading music using refreshable Braille. Bill, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Matthew. Wonderful to be here with you and uh, kind of um, take some time to look back as well as look ahead
0: for sure. And I should just clarify before I go any further, you are the founder of Dancing Dots, or have I made that bit up?
1: (laughs) No, no, you didn't make that up. Um, I actually uh, founded the company, it'll be 30 years ago that I actually officially uh, left my day job and started Dancing Dots. So yeah, it's been a great adventure and it continues to be.
0: So let's just go right back to the start and and talk a bit about yourself. You founded this company thirty years ago, uh, but I mean, you know, things will have led up to that, I suppose. And and you're a blind person, so so have you always been blind?
1: Technically, uh, I was born legally blind, but I have some memories of, uh, of some very uh, vivid memories of uh, visual images. But I lost a bit of sight that I had until I was uh, when I was six. So uh, I effectively grew up as a totally blind person, educated as a totally blind person.
0: So you'd have been taught Braille very early on and presumably at blind school. Yeah, when
1: I was when I was when it was discovered that my mother's uh, very, uh, very, um, let's say, faint. What's the word? Um case of German measles. She had a a, 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 my, a little bit of a rash, a little bit of a fever one weekend uh, while she was expecting me and didn't think that much of it. But long story short, it induced a glaucoma in me, congenital uh, glaucoma. So, But when they figured that out and then, um, uh, yeah, my parents were like, okay, I was number seven of eight kids that they had. I was the very first one with Any kind of visual disability, and uh, okay, now what do we do? So, uh, one of the great things that uh, my doctor, uh, uh, the late Dr. Harold Shea, uh, told him was, "Okay, read to your read your son. Um, It doesn't matter what you read. Read him the sports paper. Read him, uh, you know, Dr. Seuss. Read him anything." And my both my parents read to me a lot. And then I still remember my dad teaching me my ABCs uh, on a blackboard in our kitchen and just making really big capital letters. And um, so literacy was a big deal for me and my parents. They taught me to type when I was five on a little little typewriter. I used to type letters to family members. And um, so when I lost my sight at six, uh, well, the other great thing that my mom did she found out about a wonderful school that's still around called St. Lucy Day School here in Philadelphia. And I got to go there. It was driving distance from our house. It was about a 25-minute drive, but she brought me there every day. So I, I was able to learn braille from the sisters at the school. Uh, and also they were very progressive. Back in the 60s, they were, they were uh, sending the blind children across the street to the parish school with all the sighted kids, so I grew up in my education with sighted people, and I was able to stay at home with my family and get to have friends in the neighborhood, and you know, climb trees and ride bikes and do all the crazy stuff that you want to do when you're a kid. Um, so it it was it was a great gift to me that they they were able to find me in a, an education, and so by the time I got to eighth grade, uh, what we would call eighth grade here, end of um, uh, elementary school, I, I was able, I was prepared to go to my local high school, the school my brothers had gone to. And then I went from there to music school. So I should back up. So when I was nine, uh, my parents f- were finally able to give me something I'd been asking for for four or five years since I was a little kid. And I heard my cousin play the trumpet. And I said, I want to make that noise. I need one of those. So you know, they, we didn't have a lot, and uh, but they got me a third-hand trumpet on my ninth birthday, and that started me down the path to music. They, uh, mom found me a teacher who didn't even play the trumpet, but she taught music, general music, and she knew Braille music.
0: Oh, now that is very cool. I mean, I, I don't think I know many teachers... Who go that way around. I know lots of teachers who teach instruments and then sort of have to learn Braille music because they're teaching a blind person, but not someone who knows Braille music, but not the instrument.
1: Right. It, it was interesting because, well, she, she called the Overwood School for the Blind, which in Philadelphia it, uh, is a wonderful school to this day for blind children. But they were on the, you know, they were on the institutional model. You go there, you live there. But when she found this teacher, at the Overbrook School for the Blind. She said, well, you know, I'll teach him at my home. And we went there for about six months on Saturday morning. And then she said, well, I'm getting married and moving away. So she got married and moved away. But she taught me enough about Braille music that I got a good start. And she knew some of the basics. You know, she had taken a brass class. I think she was actually a string player. I think she played violin. But she got me going. And uh, that was the last teacher and the only teacher I ever had who knew Braille music. And I've had lots of music teachers uh, over the years, but she she got me off to a good start.
0: I can only imagine. I mean, I, I'm a musician myself. Uh, I'm a singer. I can play a bit of uh, piano and organ and that sort of thing. And I was not brought up around braille music. And I'm sort of only really starting to realize now, you know, in the in the past sort of three or four years at most, that actually not having braille music is an enormous barrier to actually progressing. So I I imagine you in music school, even only having had six months of braille music tuition, that would have been an extremely solid foundation and you'd have probably been able to to self-study and get to a point where, where you were at music school, what you didn't know, you were probably resourceful enough to find out.
1: Well, that's exactly right. When I started studying with other trumpet teachers and I had wonderful volunteers who would, transcribe my scores and i would bring them in to my lesson and they would say well there's a crescendo there oh that must be what that letter but c A-R-C means B-R-C- yeah yeah that that okay so and i kind of oh there's an accent there oh that must be the accent sign so i kind of learned as i progressed musically i kind of picked it up but i want to back up to something that you mentioned that i think is really key Uh, for people listening um, who who may not, you know, they may know about the music stuff, but not the Braille and vice versa. Um, I have this soapbox. I'm going to stand up on it here. And I'm going to give you my soapbox speech about Braille music and blind people. Well, we're not sure if she should learn Braille music because she's a wonderful musician. She has a great ear. In fact, we think she has perfect pitch. And uh, she can sit, we play it once, she remembers it, and, it, you know, everything's fine. So I've heard that so many times more than I can count. And I, you know, I've spluttered and sputtered, and, but I finally got it down to this. Have you ever met a sighted student or musician who has perfect pitch and a wonderful memory and, you know, really really gifted? Yes. And when you found out that that person had all those gifts, did you walk over to their music stand and remove the score? Uh, No. Well, that's what you're doing to the blind musician. You're basically penalizing people for being talented and motivated, right? And it's all wrong
0: well and i i think what happens is actually the myths about braille music are very much the same as the myths about literary braille but i think what happens is at some point we realize that actually we've got to teach these people braille for english and for maths and for science and for foreign languages in particular you know eventually there's this realization that well hang on we do actually have to teach braille because we need to be able to you know get them to spell and get them to do this so you know braille becomes important you, you can't learn maths by ear the problem with music uh, is that it's auditory right of course you can learn music by ear and so you know therefore well yeah okay why do we need braille except that the music that you can read is so much more complicated than the music that you can learn by ear if sighted people had to write this stuff down because it was too hard to learn by ear then presumably blind people will also have to write it down because it's too hard to learn by ear
1: Absolutely. That's the key thing, because, yes, you can learn a ton by ear. And I play a lot of jazz. and I know a lot of tunes by heart and pick up by ear and I can improvise and all that wonderful stuff. But when I play with a group, uh, you know, in a church orchestra or in a community orchestra or even a swing band I used to play in around here, I want to know my part. I want to know not just the notes I'm supposed to play. I want to know the places where I'm supposed to get louder, where the notes are accented, where the notes are detached, where I'm supposed to slow down a bit, where I'm supposed to take a breath. All of that stuff you get in the score, whether it's print or Braille. But if you're just listening to someone, then you're detached from that. You're removed from that. And you're only as good as how much attention they paid to those things. And so when we talk about literacy, we ultimately also have to talk about two I words, the inclusion word uh, and the independence word. So what I was just saying is, when you literally know the score, you can be that independent musician. And in, in my own experience in school, all the way up through college, when I knew the score, I could not only participate more fully, I actually had the option to be, become the leader. I was, became the leader of our trumpet section in high school because I was able to say to the guy next to me and other players, well, actually, you know, we need to get a bit louder there. We should take a breath before we play that phrase, all that stuff. I only knew that because I had this actual information in front of me. And after that, you're going to be more included because you know, when you're a blind kid and you go to school and you're the only blind kid or maybe one of only a few and you go to band practice and they hand out all the music for the new season you know we're going to play this music this spring this is so exciting and you're sitting there thinking wow i don't have anything to look at everybody's trying them out and you know and and you're waiting for a few weeks for your wonderful transcriber to send you the braille parts because The band director only just decided last week what he wants to do. (laughs) If you walk in the door and they say, here are all the new parts and here are your parts. That's a whole different thing. That's like, wow, I'm really part of this group. I'm not like sort of, could I, hey guys, could I be, could I play with the group? It's like, we understand you're part of the group. Here are your parts. You, we expect you to learn them. We'll help you. But, you know, here's the information. And that is like a world of difference for a student.
0: So I I, I want to talk about that in the context of Dancing Dots and what Dancing Dots is doing to solve the problem. But I guess uh, just before I do that, you didn't come out of music college and form Dancing Dots straight away. So you'll have gone through music college with Braille music, presumably done reasonably well out of music college with all of your Braille music, and then... Uh, did you then work as a musician for a bit or did you come out of the field and then get back into it? I worked as a
1: musician for a little over a year after I graduated music school. And I had a few students blind and sighted. I, uh, I played in every church and nightclub that would have me. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I, uh, you know, lots of wedding ceremonies and funerals and special liturgies and things. And, 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 I uh, had a band, I was running a band and playing gigs and I even sold some arrangements of my, uh, some, some music, uh, to, uh, to a local, uh, uh band director for her. I kind of customized some arrangements because she had a strong sax player and you know, this and that. But at the end of all that, I said, wow, okay. I don't seem to be the next, you know, whoever trumpet player. I'm, I'm okay. I can play a bit, but I'm not, You know, I don't think I'm going to be like famous about this. And uh, and I don't want to be this poor for too much longer. So I found out about a program at the University of Pennsylvania where they were training people with all types of disabilities to program computers. I literally had never touched a computer in my whole life. And I went in there and I took this kind of college boards test. And then I had an interview with them and said, you did really well on the test. Uh, We think you could do this. It's a 10-month course. You learn business programming. And at the end of it, there's an internship. And sometimes the internships turn into a job offer, but sometimes they don't. Um, And I had a decision to make. You know, in my mind, it was all about I play my trumpet. You throw the money. We are all happy. Um, And I did make some money, and I did learn to play a bit. But in the end, I said, I think I'm going to try this. And I went to school and uh, I almost stopped playing because it just took up so much of my time. But I, I, this is how old I am. In the old days we had mainframe computers and you literally submitted your job, right? You wrote your program and you submitted your job and you could ask it to run in 15 minutes but you didn't have priority as a student. We were sharing this computer with uh, an oil company. So sometimes it would take like 45 minutes for the thing to run. So I used to go down the hall with my trumpet and go into the men's room and practice. It was like seven o'clock at night. So nobody was around, you know, and, you know, the cleaning people were kind of like, who, what is this kid doing in here? What is he, you know, but, um, I just kept it going. Uh, and in the end it paid off because I got a job offer after my internship and I worked for an oil company that's now at a business called Sunoco and, um, I worked there for 10 years and they promoted me a few times and I learned a bit about business programming, and, but I just kept up with the music and I had this idea that would not let me alone that, you know, we could take digital information that people use to print music scores and we could use it to just make the equivalent Braille music score. And that's basically what uh, drove me to start the business back in 92 uh, and then I was smart enough to hire my business partner Albert Milani to take my simple prototype and build it up into what became uh, a program called
0: Goodfield Braille Music Translator. And Goodfield's still around, by the way.
1: Oh yeah, we're we're still. Uh, in fact, we're I think we're in use in fifty two countries now.
0: And actually, in use um, more than you would think, or at least certainly more than listeners would think. There was a, some research done by uh, the Daisy Braille Music Project and by ICEB and, and one or two others. And it concluded that actually uh, a lot of Braille transcription agencies are predominantly using a combination of manual uh, transcription, you know, six key entry into a computer using something like Duxbury, or it's automated or semi-automated using Goodfeel. And and it, it, it literally does that, doesn't it? It takes a digital file and converts it into braille music.
1: Yeah it does. So what when we started out, we looked around and and we said what's missing? And what was missing was automated braille music transcription. There were plenty of programs that could you could key notes into and see them in print. And um so we long story short connected with a wonderful guy named Dr. Lipold Hawken out at the University of Illinois. Uh, and he and his sister had written this program called Lime. I finally got Lippold to tell me, why why in the world did you call it Lime? And he said, it's Lippold's interactive music editor. But uh, anyway, so I decided I don't want to spend the next, you know, eight or 10 years trying to make a print music program. We already have them. So I connected with Lippold and we basically subcontracted with him, subcontracted to build Accessibility into Lime, and so Lime and GoodFeel are separate applications to this day, but they're very tightly integrated. So I, I basically have a uh, first note in piece. I have a piece of music that a customer of mine sent to me. Um, just real quickly, we we should talk about Lime. You can type notes into Lime, and they come up and print on your uh, on your screen. But if you have a Braille display, you can see the Braille music in in real time, and if you have a screen reader like JAWS or even others now, um, it can describe it to you. But there are other ways to get the music into Lime, and one of them is to import a format called Music XML. And Music XML, I think, was the greatest blessing to blind musicians since Louis Braille himself, because. It allows people to interchange score data. So my, my my customer out in Ohio, he's very active in the alumni band of Ohio State University. And they have an arranger who makes the arrangements in a commercial program called Finale, which is comparable to Lime. You can think of these programs as kind of word processors for music notation, right? So you type in notes and you type in accents and you type in lyrics and all that. So his arranger sends... Greg, the music XML files, Greg imports them into Lime. And what's cool, there's a a visual track that shows the print music where you are in the print music, and then the braille tracks on your braille display in sync. Uh, And because we have some scripts to make Jaws talk, R2 beat once, we can hear that uh, description. But when I want a good old hard copy, and most of the end users, that's what they get. We're just going to send this to an embosser.
2: File menu.
1: So I'm going to go to the file menu. And I'm going to
2: say, launch in menu, launch Goodfield. I'm going Enter. to launch Goodfield. Edited by Bill. Aquarius, and let the sun dot Limco. Goodfield intermediate dialogue. OK, so there's an intermediate dialogue. Format. Solo instrument.
1: Um, but everything's cool. So I'm just going to press
2: process with Alt P. Edited by Bill. Aquarius let the sunshine.gf brl view.
1: And then it opens in a little application we call Braille view or brl view.
0: So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. I wonder if I could just back up to that intermediate dialogue because it's quite important, I think, that people understand the scope of what is going on here. So presumably you could have a whole score in Lime. Presumably you could have soprano, alto, tenor, bass, vocal parts. You could have violin, cello, you know, um, brass parts. You could have solo instrument parts, and you could have them all in the one Lime file. And presumably that intermediate dialogue that pops up allows you to do things like only have the tenor chorus part or something.
1: That's correct. There's something we call the option transcription, I forget what, page options. Anyway, you can basically say don't braille this part, or don't transcribe this part, or yes, transcribe this part. Um, and we can also, let me go back to
2: that format. Alt F4, braille destination, braille editor button. Alt F4. We can Lime. also, File. launch good field.
1: It's going to have a checkbox I want to point out to you that basically says, do you want well, actually, it may not come up here because this is only one trumpet part. But if, it, if the Could line score, to... let's say, was a string quartet, it would say to you uh, in the format, do you want to braille all parts together or do you want them separate? Format colon.
2: Read only edit. Process button. Uh, but it didn't. Not check braille hands separately. Check box. Not checked. Not check braille lyrics if they exist. Not check braille all parts together. Left parent score or solo instrument. With...
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's grayed out. All these things are grayed out because Smart enough to know, like this is just a trumpet part. There's no point in asking. But you do have the option to create a score. And in music, uh, specifically, a score means that you see everybody's part. For example, in the first measure, you see what the trumpet plays, what the trombone plays, what the tuba plays. Um, whereas if you just want the trumpet player to learn his part, you braille the parts separately and say, here's your trumpet part. Um, and you don't get to see what the other guys are playing and that's pretty much what most uh, you know beginner to intermediate musicians are going to want they they don't it's hard enough for them to learn their part
0: and I mean in a braille context it's possibly even what some advanced people want if they're having the music to perform from though I think there's a difference between performing from it and studying it but yeah I mean braille music is not hard per se but I mean, Good Grief, it will be more bulky, I think, than print music. And so if you could literally just have your part and nothing else for performance purposes, that would save so much space.
1: Yes. And the good news is that Goodfield can do it either either which way. Um, but one, one bit of fine print. If there are lyrics, we can transcribe them uh, for the individual part. But if there are lyrics... In in a s if you want the score, you want all the parts to be braille together. Uh, we we cannot show you the lyrics uh, for a lot of technical reasons. Um, I think at that point most people just want to know what's what are the other people doing, but it would be nice. Um, but anyway, we kind of got off. I don't know. We're, this is all good, but I forget exactly where we were heading.
0: Yeah, so we, we'd we'd brought the we brought it in to GoodFeel, and we were gonna look at the Braille editor, weren't we? Which I sidetracked you on. I'm sorry.
2: Process button.
1: No, it's good. So I'm gonna process Please. it. It's gonna Braille open it up in this little Braille view program, so I can see it in Braille and the Braille fonts on the screen for people who can
0: see see the screen. So they're seeing black dots on the screen at this point.
2: Right. Shine. So Aquarius underline slash.
0: Let the sun number eight. Let the
2: sun shine. Shine, uh, the that's the name of the uh, arranger. Ed Lepla, Um. Blank. Ed Sp- Space. Blank. Space. Blank. Cornet. Okay, it's for cornet. Seven number of less number D four. Now that's where it
1: gets that. That's where you want a Braille display because it's reading the ASCII and that actually was the metronome mark.
2: <laughs> um, number of greater F dot home. And then number A.
1: We have the measure numbers down the left side. So number A means bar one space. Greater, F. Okay, greater, greater than sign, that's three, four, five. That's the word sign. F. That's an F for forte. Oh, period. And this is what I had to learn when I didn't have a Braille display.
0: So then you've got the, the 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 full stop for the octave sign.
1: Well, actually in this case, period, Eight. There's a dots, uh, two, three, six after that. So it's an accent. It's a two cell sign. Start. And then we have a natural. And we have the quote is actually the octave sign. And then whiskey. uh, We're we're not drinking whiskey. It's too early. It's a W. Yeah,
0: it's a B crotchet.
1: Yeah, so there it is. Now, what we'll do is close this
2: up. And the braille destination. Braille destination. uh, We're going to click on embosser. We're going to put it on
1: paper. We're going to hand it to some unsuspecting fifth grader. Here's your part. Go home and study. But they have it. But we can also, in that Braille view,
2: Braille uh, you can, can go to File, Save As, and menus, and save as, as type. Good feel out. save as Type, Formatted Braille Files, Formatted, formatted Braille, Braille. Braille File. And that'll let
1: us save it as .brf, which is kind of the international de facto standard for formatted braille um i know there are others like pef i think or something but um and so uh if somebody has a a note taker device uh they can they can read their braille music on the on the bus on the way to school or whatever uh they can carry it around
0: so we've talked about you know, if you connect a single line Braille display, you know, you can read the music and, and obviously you can also do everything else that a single line Braille display can do. And there are many of them on the market. Um, my personal favorite at the moment is the Brilliant BI40X. And I know a lot of people uh, are using the Mantis Q40, but there is another one that's less talked about that I think actually you're using and a lot of your customers are using and, and enjoying, which is the Cube Braille. Which is a really interesting product. I wonder if you could just sort of tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, what's, what's neat about the Cube Braille is made by a company called HIMS Incorporated. They're based uh, in, in South Korea, but they have dealers around the world. And we, we help them sell the Cube Braille and their other um, uh, full fledged note taker called uh, Braille Sense 6. But the Cube Braille is really cool because what, what they do, decided to do was if you can imagine this, if you put your hands on a standard QWERTY computer keyboard, and then if you imagine that all the alphanumeric keys, the letters and punctuation, all that, got replaced with a Perkins keyboard, but everything else remained the same, like the function keys across the top, the uh, escape key, down the side, you'll have your, your tab key, your caps lock, shift key, all uh, and your, your um, arrow key, cursor arrow keys, all that stuff is the same. So, so if you learn how to use a Windows computer uh, and a QWERTY keyboard, you already know how to use this thing. It, it, it's, it's a brilliant interface, I think. But for our purposes, when uh, oh, it has a forty-cell braille display integrated. So when you run it with Lime and uh, the JavaScripts, uh, yeah, you you see the Braille uh, music as we described. Um, uh, that good good feels integrated with Lime. You see the Braille music and uh, interactively. But Cube um, Braille has a hybrid mode, so you can actually run the software. So I don't I don't know if I went into this in detail, but along the bottom row. Uh, When you run Lime along the bottom row, like where you have letters like B and V and C, um, we call them status keys. So if I want to know what bar I'm positioned in, bar and beat, I type the letter B, it may say bar seven beat two. Okay. Or if I type the V key, it may say that's the name of the voice or part. So it may say flute or soprano. So what's cool, if you have your cube rail and you're in the hybrid mode, if you type dots one, two, it sends a B and then you hear what R and B you're in. And if you send dots one, two, three, six, you send a V and you get the instrument name and so forth. So it's nice because you don't have to move your hands too far. You can basically just stay put. And so I think it's, I think it's a really, um, really handy and uh, innovative approach to, to using our software.
0: Sure. And I mean, you could achieve kind of sort of that with your traditional displays, like the Focus 40 or, you know, or or the Brilliant 40X that I've already talked about, but you would lose the Alt F4, the, you know, Alt for the menu bar and stuff like that. I mean, you you can emulate that with JAWS keys, but it's perhaps not as straightforward as the Q Braille's approach.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, 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 So yeah, all those traditional things you use with function keys and, uh, uh, the control um, well in in our thing, uh, for example, c- control H, control H brings up the here dialog. So you can just do the control key with dots one two five, and bang! You have the here dialog open. So yeah, it's it's nice, and I think they did a great job with it.
0: Sure. So that's the Q Braille XL to give it its full name. And I've just realized Excel's kind of a clever name. So Q is in Qwerty Braille um, XL. I guess, I mean, XL because it excels, but also because L is the Roman numeral for 50 and XL is the Roman numeral for 40. And so you you get some quite interesting vocabulary there.
1: Good call there. That's right. It's 40 cells. So they, they called it the XL.
0: We've talked a lot so far about importing music from other sources, uh, particularly music XML. Uh, but Lime is also a music editor, and uh, you've mentioned about composition in Lime. I just wonder if we could talk about that briefly. Um, you said that the score uh, or the, the 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 stave, the notes, come up in both print and in Braille. Um, presumably you have, you know, you can connect a MIDI keyboard and input data that way, or you can use step recording and an on-screen keyboard and all of that sort of thing. But where Braille has a real advantage is that potentially you'd be able to use, you know, just the six keys, right? And, and input Braille music directly into Lime and have it converted into uh, the right notes and, and have it all converted into MIDI or music XML or what have you. Is that, possible and 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 if not wouldn't it be wonderful if it was
1: it would be wonderful it's not supported yet we've done a little preliminary work on that um but for a number of reasons we haven't completed it but um yes that would be really handy i'm having too much fun talking to you and i don't (laughs) i don't want to uh but what i i what i do want to show you is something brand new uh uh, our friends at Duxbury uh, who make a braille translator, I know is, is 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 very popular in your country and all over the world. Fortunately for me, uh, my buddy Joe Sullivan, who started Ducksbury way back before I started my company, um, he just decided no, music is just not something I'm going to take on. So, um, but anyway, uh, I can I can now open any score that Goodfield makes in Duxbury. And I have my nine line canute attached. So I think what I'll do is open the stars and stripes forever in Duxbury for you. I'm gonna go back here.
2: The Duxbury Braille translator dash left bracket aces high first cornet dot dx.
1: Okay, here's another one of those cornet parts I loaded earlier, but let me see if I can open the stars and stripes forever duxbury can open on not only dot brf but our dot gf which is our native format for goodfield
2: so let's see select document file dot dot dot, dial file name explorer aces high for s stars and stripes forever dot gf there is okay enter aces high first cornet dot dxp dash new braille document import file dial enter stars and stripes forever dot dxp dash new braille
1: You say, what you're hearing is the sound of this nine-line canoe clearing. It's basically clearing what's already on there. And now it's going to show me the score that I just transcribed. So I see stars and stripes forever. forever. Page one, it says for piano, John Phillips Sousa, keyboard, half note equals 120, three flats, cut time, Uh, And then we have measure one. This is bar over bar piano music. But bottom line is I can look up and down. I don't have to move up a line and down a line and up and down. It's all here. So I can look at it and I don't have to carry around a wagon load of braille paper uh, to do it.
0: So at this point, presumably you're using two Braille displays or would have to if you wanted it in Braille, you'd be using two Braille displays. You'd be using the Braille display to control Duxbury and the Canute to read the output.
1: Yes, that's right. And uh, at the moment, I don't have my single line Braille display connected so that that would be probably a better plan. But let me see if I can change something. For example, I notice here I'm going to change something in the title. And I'm going to yeah. So stars and stripes forever. Um, let's change the composer's name from John Philip Sousa to John P Sousa.
2: Forever left John Philip Sousa S T sign S T sign N. ST sign.
1: I think it's it's reading the a space as S T, so that's something we're going to have to work on. Dot six. So there's the capital for P. dot B. six,
2: P, B. H. I'm gonna delete H, I, L, P, ST sign. Okay, so what's cool,
1: uh, it didn't refresh all nine lines. It just changed this. So now it says John, capital P, capital Sousa. Well, I'm gonna put in a letter sign and a period. dot six. So let me put in the letter sign, uh, I can use six key entry in Duxbury. So I'm going to do dots five, six. Dots five, six. And then I'm going to move over the ST sign. And I'm going to insert uh, dots two, five, six. And there we are. It,
0: it And it's remarkably quick, isn't it? Like, that's it. Like, it It didn't need to clear the line before it put the next line up. It It just refreshed the line literally as soon as you pressed the button it refreshed the line
1: it did and it, i like that about it and uh, i was relieved actually when i was talking to peter sullivan who's their, their gifted uh, head programmer there and i said well we're not going to have to just for one character have canute refresh the entire display I said no no and, and he got it he got it right he did a great job with this although i didn't notice the jaws saying st but i believe that they're going to uh, make some, some JAWS scripts.
0: I think this is a problem with Duxbury full stop, that they've recently refactored their JAWS scripts, haven't they? And they may be refactoring them again. So this isn't even in Duxbury 12.6. This is a, a possibly a service release of 12.6 or maybe even a 12.7 feature at this point.
1: Yeah, Peter feels uh, pretty confident it'll be shipping in the near future. Now, we don't want to, you know make make quantify that because near future could be next month or this fall or but anyway it's kind of fun to show this it's it's kind of hot off the press stuff and um uh i would encourage anyone who who has a need to study a lot of scores or um anything else that could be in duxbury even math mathematics or um any kind of tabular information especially but if you don't want to if you want to have the immediacy of being able to change your Braille document uh, on the fly like that, it's it's really handy.
0: So I want to talk about the Canute and Braille music and soft copy Braille music versus hard copy Braille music and, and all of this sort of thing. Um, so it, having sort of demonstrated how you can get Braille music in the first place. Um. One of the things that we've, we've talked about saving space, you know, and, and this is a big deal, you know, when even when we braille lyrics, you know, if there's a chorus, you'll generally only braille the chorus once and you'll braille it in italics or something to show that this is a chorus and you need to come back to it every time. You know, if you're reading it on paper, you would just be able to sort of flick back up to those bars and read them again. If you're reading on a canute, you would have to go back a page or two or three or four, potentially, to find where that repeat starts. And it doesn't, I mean it refreshes fairly quickly, but it doesn't refresh that quickly. So do we need to be thinking about the format of the music that we output? And maybe for soft copy, do we need to think about not saving space and actually repeating things that in hard copy we previously wouldn't be repeating?
1: You might want to do that. I I um, I'm gonna display my ignorance a bit about the Canute, but I'm pretty sure you can set bookmarks. So if it, with a little planning, you could say ok, I need to set a bookmark that's going to pop me back to the beginning of that repeat section
0: for sure. But you wouldn't know that you needed a bookmark there until you got to the repeat. So for the second and third time round, that would be fine. But for the first time, you know, especially if it's a long piece, you you get through a whole B section of a piece, and then you then you get a re, you know go back to the beginning. I mean, actually go back to the beginning is fairly easy. But you know what I mean? You, you know you you encounter that for the first time. Th- th- that's hard work to then have to go back to where that repeat starts.
1: Well, you know, the Braille Music repeat sign, just like the print, there's a forward version and a backward repeat. So you could, when you see that forward repeat start there at measure five, say, oh, I'd better bookmark this because I'll bet I'll need to come back. But the point is you do have to do some some planning and st- strategizing to to be able to approach it and and kind of get the most out of this technology, because as you said, you don't want to be sitting there, especially if it's like a, I don't know, if the the repeated section, some can take, you know, an entire Braille page or more. You're sitting there pressing forward, you know, or backward, back, 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 nine, nine, nine. Yeah. It's not ideal. Uh, But, you know, the fact that it is refreshable and that you don't have to, carry all this stuff around with you literally is, is great. Although the Canute itself, I mean, as you know, I think it, it does not have any, um, doesn't run on anything, but wall, uh, AC current.
0: And it's also quite loud. I mean, it, it, it Zoom was doing a good job of noise canceling out a lot of the Canute sound. And look, it's not, when I say loud, I mean, loud is relative, right? It's not as loud as a Braille embosser and, you know, it, it it's certainly a manageable level of noise. If you were in a, a room and you were having to do score study, it's not going to be disturbing many people, but you don't want it in a concert hall.
1: No, 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 you don't. You sure don't. Um, and I know we're talking about Braille here, but just, just quickly, I'll mention that um, we have a related solution for people with low vision or partial sight um, called Lime Lighter, And it, it scrolls the music in special ways that help people with uh, visual acuity problems. And it also uh, it also magnifies it up to the zoom level of 10X. But you reminded me of that because some of the people who use Limelighter will take the tablet that it runs on onto the stage with them and play. But many of them do what I do as a blind musician. They'll take it into the practice room and use it to help them memorize what's there, and then they just go on stage and play from their from their memory.
0: Sure, and for practice, especially for individual practice, I can really see the canute being you know extremely beneficial, because you wouldn't like you say you wouldn't have to take you know wagon loads of braille, and you know even individual practice off site, you know, uh, it, yeah. So I mean, I could take a canute into the cathedral and do individual practice, no problem. I wouldn't want to take it into the choir stalls and do practice, but I, you know, if there was an individual practice for some reason, I could certainly use that. But we have this with single line braille as well, right? I mean, you know, the, I mean, single line braille is quiet, but just going back to the um, to, to the formatting point, you know, I mean, there, there's certainly been plenty of times that I've thought, you know, what I'll just take it in on a on a brilliant twenty or a brilliant forty or you know or what have you, and then you think, yeah, but all the jumping around I've got to do in order to get there. Um so we're, there's, the, what's really exciting me about this is the concept is now there. We can now start to have these conversations because there's something tangible in the room. Whereas even sort of five years ago, we could have the conversation, but it would be a very theoretical conversation because we didn't have the equipment there to make the conversation any more than that. So, you know, where we'll be in another five years time, I mean, goodness only knows, you know, and I, I, I certainly see... Dancing Dots being a part of the solution as we go forward with that?
1: Uh, I, yeah, that's that's the plan for sure. I mean, we, we've we been around, but we want to stay around and uh, keep doing what we love to do. Um, as things progress, yeah, technology will change. And I remember one memorable line from a guy, I don't know if he's still around, but when I first got onto listservs where people would be, Uh, you know you can exchange ideas and you write a note and everybody subscribed gets a copy of your note and then they can write back and everybody sees the conversation and this one debate came it was one of the earliest things called midi mag which is still around and on on the midi mag which is for musicians interested in, in digital technology and all this stuff there was a raging debate going on about this or that, which I can't even remember. But the thing I do remember is one subscriber just writes back and says, you know, I don't think we should really be spending too much more time talking about this. I think what we should do as blind people is really seriously make a plan for what we're going to do when we get our sight back. (laughs) So His horizon was, you know, a lot uh, broader than than most of us. You know, we're just trying to get get through today. But I I had to laugh, but I also loved what he said, because that's an extreme case. But it really does point to the idea that, you know, yeah, we have to work out how we're going to get by in the next day, week, year, couple of years. But we can't really think too far ahead because there's so many things changing so so quickly.
0: Bill McCann, founder of Dancing Dots, and I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed putting it together. We're about to finish this episode of BrailleCast, but just before I do, I have some information for you about how to purchase some of the products that were mentioned in that interview. In the UK, you can purchase the Cube Braille XL from Sight & Sound Technology Limited. You can find them on the web at www.sightandsound.co.uk, or you can call them on 01604 798070. It costs £2,745 excluding VAT. And of course, VAT is not payable by blind and partially sighted people on products for blind and partially sighted people. Canute 360 and the Goodfeel Braille Music Translator can both be purchased from TechnoVision Systems Limited. You can find them at www.technovision.co.uk visioncouk or you can call them on 01604 792 Canute 360 costs £1,895 excluding VAT and Goodfeel costs £1,275 also excluding VAT. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of BrailleCast, the official podcast of the Braillists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to BrailleCast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice. Or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Braylists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at braillecast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Foundation. Finally, if you like, Like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at The Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.